Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to another Everyday Life series on decoding how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category. 
You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. In our first series of decoding, we looked at decoding creation, God's thought processes and patterns through creation from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we arrived at a 10 principle combination that will revolutionize how you think. In this next series of decoding, we'll look at how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph, also from the book of Genesis. Joseph's life changed the course of Israel. It was through him that God preserved the nation of Israel. Israel wasn't yet a nation per se. It was just a family of 12 siblings. The letter grew into the nation of Israel in Egypt. Some of the life principles we'll cover in this decoding series are our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. Knowing your purpose and calling is the best anchor to go through the storms of life. In life, we need favor and love with both God and man. There are no coincidences in life. God's justice system never fails. We'll also look at work and service, money, and how the economy of Egypt was built from the ground up. We'll also look at investing, saving, leadership, and management. Without further ado, welcome to Decoding Joseph. our series on decoding joseph this is episode 20 and we've been looking at some unique insights into we've been uncovering we've been decoding 
some unique insights into how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph. Now, there are about 11 key life principles that you can decode from the story of Joseph. And the first principle that we decoded in this series was that your past and upbringing shouldn't define you because we clearly see Joseph rise up to the occasion after a very troublesome past. If you haven't read the story of Joseph in the Bible, it sets off in the book of Genesis chapter 37. That's where we are. That's where this character is introduced to us um, on the scene. And we see that this is a guy who deals with so much betrayal. Yeah, his story, the story of Joseph starts from the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 5. That's when we're introduced to him. But his character, I mean, his story has a very troublesome beginning. Betrayed by his brothers, uh, the plot was to kill him. One of his younger, uh, one of his, uh, one of the, his younger brothers, uh, Benjamin, kind of came in and convinced the older ones and said, let's not do it. Let's. Uh, let's at least sell him off into slavery. So David uh, Joseph is sold off as a slave to the land of Egypt. And what ends up happening is he's, he, you know, he comes in as a slave. He's at the lowest rank at his slave master's house, you know, at his master's house. His master at the time was called Potiphar, but God starts to raise this guy through the ranks. At a certain point, he takes over the estate of Potiphar, and Potiphar puts him in charge of everything that Potiphar has. So Joseph, who came in as a slave, as a servant, is now the master, is now the, the steward, is the manager of his master's estate. And scripture talks about how Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph because everything that he did prospered. So Potiphar saw that the God that Joseph was worshiping, that Joseph leaned on, must have been the reason as to why this guy was succeeding. So we went through that. And now we've been decoding principle category number two, which is what is your purpose? And saying one of the things that you can look at this guy, the story of Joseph, and really say the reason as to why he was able to go through the storms and not give up and keep on, you know, keep his, uh, you know, keep on, you know, maintain the faith, maintain the hope is because God had revealed to him what his purpose was. So that was another reason. And so we've been really decoding why knowing your purpose is super important in fact there's a scripture that says it talks about how we have an anchor for our souls we have an anchor that, that we what, what, that hope is an anchor for the soul it's in hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. it says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, 
it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. It's talking about which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. So hope is the anchor for your soul. So knowing your purpose gives you hope. It becomes an anchor for your soul. It becomes something that you can lean on when things are not going well with you. When you're going through the storms of life, it helps when you know your purpose. You know, when something is contrary to what, um, when something is, is contrary to what you're going through in life, it helps when you know where you're going. That becomes an anchor for your soul. Says this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. But I can't want it to, to 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 really focus on the first part of this scripture about hope is the anchor of the soul. So we've been talking about purpose for the last couple of episodes, and by now, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, I'm really just gonna dive into uh the the plan for the day uh because i've done a lot of um i've laid a lot of groundwork for why it is inherent for you to find your purpose and one of the things they say is that there's differences between a dream and a calling a calling is a call to action it's something that causes you to surrender to 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 it it it, it puts you on a life mission it becomes your reason for it's your reason for your existence in this time and i say that if you look through scripture the bible uses the word dream dream the 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 the, the phrase dreams or a dream is actually used more in the context as a vehicle of communication from the lord to his saints it's how god talks to people now the devil also does talk to people through dreams but what I'm trying to say is that if you look through scripture, the context of the word dream or dreams is more for is more as a vehicle of communication. With that being said, I said that I would love to I, I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that to, to understand that there's something higher than just a dream, which is a calling. And I went through, we've talked about the umbrella of types of callings we have in scripture. You know them. I said the overall arcing theme from Genesis to the book of Revelation is God's redemptive plan. I went through that. God's in a rescue mission. So all of us who have met the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we become uh, citizens of heaven and, amb and ambassadors of the ministry of Christ. At the end of the day, really, if you look at it, every believer is actually in the business of winning souls because God is in the business of winning souls, at least in this in this in this dispensation of existence. Yes, scripture in Revelation does talk to us about the after judgment day, the old heavens and the earth will be done away with. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth will be created. And it's in that new heaven and new earth that we will fully be reconciled back to our Eden mandate. Remember, 
the Eden mandate was in Genesis chapter one, when God created man and said, he gave him that those were the first five calls, five, call it the fivefold callings that God bestowed upon man when he, after he created him, he said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish, subdue and have dominion. That plan was interrupted. And what ended up happening in Genesis chapter three, the fall of man happened. Then came toiling, came sweat. Everything that we see that is not apropos in the work culture today actually has its root and cause back in the at the fall of man. Because God did not intend for man to sweat by his bro, to eat bread by hardship. No, he did not intend for childbirth to be painful. So there's a lot of things that were distorted by the fall of man. All creation was affected because some animals were actually created. Some animals now became carnivores. This was all from the fall of man. There was The whole creation was corrupted because you have to understand that man had been given dominion over creation. So man was interlinked with creation. Now, with that being said, we say that we see in the book of Psalms, we get an update from God Almighty sitting in his throne. He's basically giving us a report of how, from his point of view, what the earth looks like. And he's disappointed. He says, first of all, he reminds us that we are gods. Very powerful statement that very Christians still struggle with. It says, God stands in the congregation of the, of the mighty. This is Psalms 82. It says, he judges among the gods. How long will he judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Here, he starts to talk about some of the things he expects of us to do. It says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. It says, deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. It says, they know not. Who? The wicked. They know not. Neither will they understand. It says, they walk on in darkness says this is what i wanted to bring your attention to one of the, one of the main one of the key highlights one of the key points in our last episode god's summary of the state of the earth is that all the foundations of the earth are out of course and then he says remember i said you are gods and all of you are children of the most high he says but if you don't follow through on restoring the foundations of the earth he says you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit the nations. Now, that's in Psalm 82. Then in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, we, we, we receive another update. He says, he, he further emphasizes what I call the six type of callings that God has bestowed upon all of us who are on a rescue mission to win souls back to him. Because the big, the big plan is, when you really look at it, is why is it a why is it a redemptive plan? Because in the book of Genesis, the mandate that was given to 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 God created, it says man was created in the image of God and in his likeness. The point of this was that so man was going to man was given a power to be a creator because man was essentially the creator living as the created. That's why he created him his own image and he gave him the prototype. What Adam was to take was the prototype, the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a prototype from heaven. It was a prototype from heaven that now was upon the earth. 
So Adam was to take this prototype within the Garden of Eden and spread it out all across the earth and turn all of the earth into the Garden of Eden, right? So at that point, all, you know, man's purpose and, and whatnot, uh, man's purpose, in, in essence, his call to action was to function as a creator, primarily. Now, God is in the business of winning souls until, you know, judgment day and all of these things happen. And the new, when the new heaven and new earth come back, we will, in essence, go back to the Eden mandate, which is to be fruitful and multiply and enter even higher realms of creativity that, you know, like what the realm of creativity and creation that we shall step into when there's no corruption upon the earth is going to be unfathomable. So you don't want to miss out on heaven because you have to understand when people were asking themselves, why is the universe expanding? God is just creating more room for all of us, for all of eternity. Eternity is going to be ha a, a habitation with God. You know, God will be, you know, he will be living with his people. It talks about the, the new headquarters of heaven will be in what is called the new Jerusalem, right? But you have to understand the bodies of man at that point won't be, they're going to be called uh, glorified bodies. Glorified bodies can travel at the speed of light. That is the same body Jesus wore after his resurrection. His body was changed into a glorified body and he ascended into heaven and came back onto the earth. In a glorified body, you travel at the speed of light. So when you hear of billions and billions of galaxies that scientists are able to discover today and say and, and, and say there's probably billions, billions of galaxies, they're probably, you know, they're right. Because God is still creating. Only that for us to really step into the fullness of that dimension of galaxies that are billions and billions of light years away. Uh, these these bodies cannot transition and function in that dimension. These bodies have to be changed. These bodies were corrupted from the fall of man. So you have to understand that right now, God has sent all of us. We're on a rescue mission because God wants to spend eternity with as many people as want to dwell with him. So when people talk about hell and heaven, listen, hell, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of bad people in heaven. And there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. Why? It's simple. The scripture says, um, in the scripture says in 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 the ministry of reconciliation. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It talks about it in in Second Corinthians. It says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see something that's very beautiful. It says, it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll start from verse 17, that a lot of Christians are familiar with. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It says, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. It says, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
to which the God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So God is in the world right now reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. So hell, hell is just simply a place of people who have said, I don't believe in God. I don't need a God in my life. Uh, this whole God thing is a hoax. So God created hell. It says for the for actually hell was initially created for the devil and his angels, right? So the the angels who were in heaven that fell, they were also cast down with Satan, who was at that time called Lucifer. So hell is a place where people will be that don't want anything to do with God. So that's it's as simple as that. So there's a lot of people who have done bad things on this earth, but they have repented. They have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior and said, listen, I believe there is a heaven. I believe I was created. I need you in my life because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father except through me. So all of us, the person who has paid the price for our eternal salvation is the man Jesus Christ. The scripture says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So I'm, I'm, the, so, um, you know, I'm just showing you the lay of the land, which is, and then he, he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So Paul is saying, I pray you, I'm asking you, be ye reconciled to God. It says, for he has made him, he has made Jesus Christ to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So yeah, so accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior puts you in right standing with God. You book your ticket to heaven and you get to partake in the new age, the new world, the new heaven and the new earth. And we get to go on and create amazing things. God will teach us how to do more splendid creations. We will, we will inhabit the galaxies, the planets, everything that has been created that scientists are able to, you know, bring into our focus. So this is how all these worlds merge together. You know, this stuff is fascinating for me. When you start to understand the big picture of scripture and why things are happening, the way they are happening, and you look at, you know, some information and evidence that comes in from scientists and things like that, only that my only worry, my only uh, concern is that for them, they think that all this happened, this is all happenstance, this is all evolution, that planets are just birthing each other without any hand guiding or crafting them. So those people, unfortunately, in this day and age, they have received information. They know, they have seen that these other planets and they have figured out how many light years they are away, galaxies and all of these things. But unfortunately, if they have not booked their ticket to heaven, they will not partake of a second existence of life which will involve full authority full exploration of all the things that they're able to see right now these worlds are connected the spirit realm 
and the nurture realm, they're all connected. The spirit realm gave birth to the nurture realm. I've, I've just, I've shared on that in a few episodes, but anyways, um, again, this is any turning out to be a good recap. I'm just painting the picture of, of this whole concept of God's redemptive plan. So once God gives us his update that all the foundations of the earth are out of course, in the book of Jeremiah chapter one, he comes back and says, listen, I, Jeremiah chapter one, verse 10, he says, I have, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to do what? Six type of callings here that we now see to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Now you can see the difference in those types of callings from the ones we see in the book of Genesis. These seem to be apropos after the fall of creation because the foundations of the earth are all are all out of course it makes sense that god will say something like to root out to pull down to destroy to throw down to build and to plant and you can also see where building and planting is that those two types of call to actions come after what i believe the other four which are more like clearing out type of call to actions okay then we have that so then we say that in scripture, you hear the word calling, not dreams. Dreams are a vehicle of communication primarily. Now, what I really want us to get to today is I want to, I want to, I want to look at some uh, scriptures that talks about callings, giftings, talents, skills, and also why it's very critical, very important that you should start pursuing your calling and not just your dreams. I said, if your dream lines up with your calling, hooray. But there are cases where your dream might not be your calling. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 11, it says, therefore, whether we are at, whether we are at home on earth, away from him, whom? Him who? Jesus Christ. Or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to him. This is the emphasis. Listen to this. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 10 says, it says, for we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with, or given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So, therefore, being conscious of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over to persuade them but what sort of persons we are is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood by God. And I hope that it is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood also by your conscience, your inborn discernment. Those are very, those, those are some very powerful words. Very, very powerful words. Where does that leave us? So it's very possible that someone could in this day and age build a billion dollar business because it's a dream and miss their calling 
And so when it, when it comes to the day on the judgment seat of Christ, when rewards are being given out, it says everyone has to appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved. So if you accomplish things in this lifetime that had nothing to do with the calling that God intended for you, you're going to score zero. You, you're not, you're not going to receive reward because you took on the wrong assignment. You did the wrong assignment. That's why callings have been stressing it. Callings is vitally important that you figure out what you've been called to do. That is how you are going to be rewarded in heaven. Your giftings, your, 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 when the day comes, when you sit and they open up the book of your works, it's going to be checked against what God had called you to do. And I say in Proverbs 25, I believe verse 2 or 12, it says, let me find it here. I believe it's Proverbs 25 verse 2. It says, yeah, 20, Proverbs chapter 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So God has concealed this, but it's your honor to search out for your calling. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So it is, it is vitally important that you start taking your calling serious. Knowing what you've been called to do is absolutely the grounds on which you're going to be rewarded in heaven. And we'll maybe it'll be another episode where I'll dive into what kind of rewards are going to be given out in heaven. You see, a lot of people think that, you know, they scored 100% if they make it to heaven and miss hell. But listen, in heaven, there's different rewards. According to the glory of God that you manifested in this lifetime, that's how you're going to be rewarded. I'll do a series on, on the book of Revelation that talks about the different kind of rewards that people will be given in heaven. So you, you will still make it to heaven, but you're going to be, you know, cleaning the streets of heaven, to, to put it lightly. That's the best, most, uh, that's the best description I can put it, which means that for all of eternity, because you are not found to be a faithful servant in this lifetime, that means come eternity, which is going to be a longer, it won't even be within time. Time is, time won't factor in. But in eternity, you will not be awarded with responsibility, with, 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 with you know, with high ranking uh, responsibility. In, in, in the new world to come, you will have missed out. You, you'll be one of the people who is, yeah, the best way I can paint it is you'll be, you'll be, you'll be sweeping the streets of heaven. Not that heaven needs their streets to be swept. They don't have dust or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that you, the rewards you receive in heaven and how much you'll be awarded how much responsibility the Lord will give you in partaking into the uh, restoring of the Eden mandate in the new world order 
and the new age to come and the new world to come, the new heaven and new earth, the galaxies, the planets, it's all dependent on your faithfulness in this lifetime. So with that being said, let us look into now some scriptures to talk about callings. And, and you'll see that the apostles really prayed that the church, that the saints would focus a lot on prayers, on understanding and receiving their callings. So the other thing that we talked about, this is recap, was uh, we talked about that these callings and you use your giftings, your talents and your skill sets to fulfill your calling. Your gifts or your talents are things that are, you, you know, God poured into you when he created you before you were even created. Those are the things you plan. Those are the things that come naturally to you. They're easy for you to apply, to do. But I also say that when it comes to talents, uh, when it comes to talents or giftings, there's natural talent and there's spiritual gifts. And then you have skills. Skills are the things that uh, you go to school to learn, to acquire. You take a course here, you take a training. Those are skill sets, okay? So let us look at what, what scripture says about callings, giftings. We'll, we'll look into skills and uh, yeah, we will take it from there. Giftings, I mean, uh, callings. Okay, so when you look through scripture and you all throughout scripture, the word calling appears about 24 times in the Bible. And what I really want to focus on is I want to focus on some scriptures that talk about callings. The first one for the context that we're looking at is really in the book of Romans. It says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So we're talking about callings, what you've been called to do, your calling. What is your calling? Actually, that's what I should say. It says, as concerning, it says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For you in times past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Uh, what I really want to do here is Romans chapter 11, verse 29. That's the emphasis that I want us to look at here. Says for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. So it says he never withdraws them once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. You see, it's not talking about dreams. It's saying for God's gifts and his call. You see, scripture puts gifts and call together because you use gifts to fulfill your call it says god's gifts and his call are irrevocable he never withdraws them once they are given and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call okay so 
I'm just showing you evidence why a call is higher than a dream. A call is from God. It's a call to action. Okay. Let's look at another one. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26. Very powerful. It says, now, it says, it says, I, I really love to always, it's very hard. Anyway, it's always very hard for me to read this scripture, just a few verses, because everything around it is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But for context, it says, First Corinthians, uh, our scripture of emphasis is First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Do you see that? Again, it's talking about called. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Wow. So once again, we see, for simply, another translation says, for simply consider your own call, brethren. Not many of you were considered to be wise according to your human estimates and standards. Not many influential and powerful, not many of high and noble birth. No, for God has deliberate, deliberately chosen, for God selected, deliberately chose what in the world is foolish to put the wise to shame and what the world, what the world calls weak to put the strong to shame. So again, once again, we see the scripture says, Consider your own call. Okay. It's not talking about dreams. I'm just trying to show you that a call is higher than a, is higher than a dream. Now, once again, here's another scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20. This is what it says. It's again talking about calling. It says, let every man, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 20. It says, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Wherein he was called. You see, it says again, everyone should remain after God calls him in, in the station or condition of life in which, he summon, in which the summons found him. It says, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Okay. Let us find another scripture. Now, this here, these next scriptures here, very powerful when it comes to calling. Ephesians chapter 1, verse... Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 is another very powerful scripture. In fact, this is the one that I I lean on a lot of times. I pray this because this is where Paul really, he was writing to the church and one of the cautions he had for them, one of the key prayers he had for them was that everybody would know the hope of his calling. 
So let's look at that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19. Very powerful. It says, For I always pray to God, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. It says, By having the eyes of your heart, flooded with light the eyes of your understanding flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints he's set apart ones paul is saying that you need to pray that the the lord the god will grant you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him that your eyes will be opened you'll be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling because it's very possible as i said for you to build a billion dollar business and that was not your call it was a dream good you fulfilled it but it was not your call that's why the, this emphasis saying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened to be like, wow, so this is what I was called to do? Because it is your calling, it's on the grounds of your calling that God will reward you on Judgment Day. We've already read that. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Okay. Another scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. Again, talks about this subject of calling it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace it says there it says there is one body one spirit even as you are called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism it says in another translation it says be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony of the oneness of and produced by the spirit in the binding power of peace verse 4 says there is one body and one spirit just as there is also one hope that belongs to the calling you received to the calling you received there is one lord one faith one baptism okay again i'm just trying to show you that this thing on callings is real it's callings 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 okay let's look at another one Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 also talks about this I want you to be fired up to go on a journey of discovery of finding out what is it you've been called to do because a lot of people are still functioning at the realm of dreams if your dream is not under your calling, you could still miss it. But if your dream is under your calling, hooray. If it's not, remember, there's something that God has ordained for you, which is higher, which is going to cause you to become a different person, which is going to strip off pride, which is going to strip off selfishness, which is going to strip off lust, which is going to strip off uh, your, your, you know, which is going to cause you to depend on him. Because a calling is higher than you. Okay, 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15 for context. He says, brethren, he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded, that if that if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. He says, I do not consider, brethren, this is, I'm reading from Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. He says, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. It says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. It says, I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Calling us upward. It says, so let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if in any respect you have a different attitude of mind, God will make that clear to you also. Again, we see calling. Let's go again. We have about, oh. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 says, Wherefore, also we pray always for you, that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Wow. Let's get some context for that and see what he's trying to say to us here. He says, wherefore, okay, verse 11 says, let us find, okay, for context, I like to read around the neighborhood. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. And it reads, it says, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, talking about judgment day, the return of Christ, it says, he will be made more glorious in his consecrated people. And he will be marveled at and admired in his glory reflected in all who have believed, who have adhered to, trusted in, and relied on him, because our witnessing among you was confidently accepted and believed and confirmed in your lives. Then he says, with this in view, we constantly pray for you, that our God may deem and count you worthy of your calling. Wow. And his every gracious purpose of goodness and with power may be complete in your every particular work of faith, faith which is that leaning of the whole human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. So what he's telling us here is that, listen, there's a glory of the Lord to be reflected when he comes back, to, you know, that will be reflected and admired in all of us who have believed and have adhered and trusted and relied on him. But then it says, 
it says, with this in view, it says, I constantly pray. There's a prayer that you have to start praying constantly. It says that our God may deem and count you worthy of your calling. So there's a there's a there's a there's an aspect of um reckoning there. So he may deem and count you worthy of your calling and his every gracious purpose of goodness. So there's an aspect of once you've proved yourself to say, okay, I am going to step into this calling, that now another dimension of support is opened up unto you. It says, count you worthy of your calling and his every gracious purpose of goodness. Because to attain your calling, you're going to need the favor of God. You're going to need God to open doors for you. You're going to need strength. You're going to need protection. You're going to need wisdom. There's a whole economy of resources that come when you adhere to this calling. Now, it's one thing to despise your calling. But when you step into it and appreciate it and receive it, what happens, Paul is saying here, that God will also count you worthy of his every gracious purpose of goodness it says, and with power may complete in your every particular work of faith. And it says, what is faith? It says, faith is that, faith which is that, leaning of the whole human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. What I've been trying to explain is that a calling requires you to lose yourself. Scripture takes, talks about that, that if you try to gain your, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, you will gain it. It also talks about that a seed must die for it to bear fruit. So when you plant a seed into the ground, it dies. A new life comes out of that process. So for you to step into the mantle of your calling, it's going to require you to lose yourself. You, it changes you. You're going to go into the ground. You're going to die. You're going to, we call it uh, crucifying the flesh. And then a new man, a new woman comes out. A woman who is selfless. A woman who's not walking with pride. A woman who's not being defined by the world standards. Her beauty. No, no, no. It's higher. You know, a woman who's not defined by her physical shape, her, her appearance, her hair her eyes, her skin color, a woman who is not looking for the accreditation of social media, vanity. No, all of that happened in that death process. There's a rebirth that now happens. You're a different person. You're not easily triggered. You love, you walk in love. You walk in the commandment of love. You love your neighbors, you love yourself. You look unto others before you consider yourself. You're not selfish, you're not self-centered. You're not after money, you're after something higher. So this is what Paul is talking about here, that it requires faith to accomplish your calling. And what he's saying is that this is this faith, which is that leaning of the whole human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Then he says, Thus may the it says that it says thus may the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified and become more glorious through and in you. It says once this process is happening, you become a new man, you become a new woman, you become a new person. It says what happens is that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified, 
and becomes more glorious through and in you. It says, and may you also be glorified in him. It says, and, you, and once this happens, it says, you're also glorified in him. It says, according to the grace, favor, and blessing of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Wow. So, once again, I'm trying to get you to understand that a calling is higher than a dream if your dream does not line up with your calling. So, we're a few scriptures to go, but they're really giving us this understanding that we need. Okay, let us look at another one here. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. What does it say? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says, wow, says, this is 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 to 10. I'll read for context. Our emphasis will be verse 9, but let's read verse 8 to 10. Okay, this is what it, this is how it reads. It says, excuse me, it says, it says, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. It says, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling? Wow. <laughs> This is getting, this is getting more, this is just hammering in the point that I've been making that most people are going after dreams and not asking the real question, which is, what is my call? Listen to this. It says, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Ah, do you hear that? Do you hear that? If there's any scripture that really brings all of this together, I think it's this one. It says, it says, who has saved us and called us with unholy calling? It says, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It says, before the world began. This goes back to all the scriptures, Psalms 139, that I was reading from verse 13 to 16, that before you were formed in the belly, he knew you, he ordained your books in the book of life. And I say, there's something high. I said, no one has tapped out God. You could have, I don't care. It could be Elon Musk. He hasn't tapped out God. No one has tapped out God because God is this, he has infinite thoughts. God likes to show to show himself majestically. Like he, I talked about, if you look at the creation of the animals, you'll see how God releases his majesty, his glory, his power in different creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seas, the oceans, the lion, the eagle, then the complexity, the understanding, the wisdom in the ant, the ants, there's so much, guys. But this is it. Guys, it says, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, 
not according to our works. This is what it's saying is that not according to your works, which means not according to what your dream could be. Your dream could may not be your calling. You may achieve your dream and miss your calling. It says not according to our works, it says, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Then it says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. To light through the gospel. Now, let, let me read it from another translation. Even even sounds juicier. It says, Do not blush or be ashamed then or to testify to and for our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner of his sake. It says, But with me, take your share of the suffering to which the preaching of the gospel may expose you and do it in the power of God. Then it says, For it is he who delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in itself, holy and leading to holiness, to a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it, not because of anything of merit that we have done, but because of and to father his own purpose and grace and merited favor which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, eternal ages ago. Then he goes on to say that it is that purpose and grace which he now has made known and has fully disclosed and made real to us through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who annulled death and made it of no effect, and brought life and immortality, immunity from eternal death to light through the gospel. There you have it. There you have it. There you have it. So let's see. We've got three scriptures that talk about callings. Mm -hmm. I love this one as well. Very powerful. This is from the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews. This is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. You see? Partakers of the heavenly calling. It says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So your profession is actually your calling. Your profession is your calling. So it's very possible. That's what scripture is saying. So it's very possible you, you, you could be in a profession that is not your calling. Your true profession is your calling. This is wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. <laughs> ah, Christ Jesus it says, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. It says, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who has builded the house has more honor than the house. It says, So then, brethren, consecrated and set apart for God, who share in the heavenly calling, thoughtfully, it says, 
who share in the heavenly calling. Says thoughtfully and attentively consider Jesus. Says the apostle and high priest whom we confessed as ours when we embraced the Christian faith. See how faithful he was to him who appointed him apostle and high priest as Moses was also faithful in the whole house of God. Yet Jesus has been considered worthy of much greater honor and glory than Moses, just as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. Again, he's saying, you're a partaker of a heavenly calling, says, which is your profession. So that's again more evidence that you could be out of alignment. Now, Then the last one, and I think it will be a good place for us to, you know, to, 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 it will be a good place for us to sell her, to really give it some thought, because I really want you to start going and discovering and praying and asking God, what have you called me to do? Listen to this. This is beautiful. It says, um, it says, because of this brethren, says, wherefore the rather, I'll first read the scripture emphasis, then I'll try to read kind of full context. It says, this is second Peter chapter one, verse 10. It says, wherefore rather, it says, wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling an election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying here? Now, says, for whoever lacks these things, these qualities, is blind. What qualities? Let me read from verse 8. Okay. He, he, you know, he talks about, this is a very powerful, um, power, it's a very powerful scripture here. But what I'm going to do, let's do this. Let's do this. Really to give us full context. I want us to receive full context of this scripture. So let me read it from the top. Second Peter chapter one, then you'll see why it says you need to make your calling and election sure. Okay. Second Peter chapter one, verse one. Here we go. So we are looking at second uh, Peter chapter one verses one now i'm gonna read it for context and you'll see that kind of character attributes that a calling would you know it will a calling would cause you will require you to walk in these character attributes that's the only way you can walk in a surety that's the only way the lord can count you worthy of the calling so let us for let's see the flow and so 
it says, it reads, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right away, he's telling you, you're seeing how he's already submitted to the ministry of Christ. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay. Then he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It says, as you're going on this journey of discovering your call and walking out your call and fulfilling it, it's saying there's a certain power that you need that you need to rely on his divine power. It says this divine power is how you'll access all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It says, however, it comes through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Again, you see that word called us to glory and virtue. So you have been called to glory and virtue. There again, we see the word calling, call. Okay. It says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. It says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. Lust and greed. It says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust says, and beside this, giving all diligence, says beside this, giving all diligence, so you're, you're going to require diligence, says add to your faith, virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge, says unto your knowledge, temperance, and to your temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or what you call love. It says, for if these things be in you and abound, it's saying the kind of characters and qualities that you will have to encompass on, on, on this journey, to fulfilling your calling or your call, what God has called you to. It says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Then he tries to drive it home. It says, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Okay? Remember, say that a calling requires you to enter, uh, it requires you to lay down. We, we, we call it picking up your cross. It calls crucifying the flesh. So, yes, God has destined to say, I've called you to do this and this. 
However, there's, there's a posture that you have to show him and say, I am ready to come down this path. So there's certain things that you start to let go of. Certain immoralities, a certain lusts, you start to, you know, you start to let, you know, you start to put aside the selfish desires that you can no longer hold on to. You let go of pride. This is what a calling does, because a calling is he's called you unto glory and virtue. So a calling moves you into the realm of glory and virtue. Now he says here that. Be diligent, right? Be diligent. Um, where is that? Yeah, verse 10 says, Wherefore, says, Oh, therefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. It says, now an opening is created. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. Now into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, wherefore, I will not be negligent, negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though you know them and be established in the present truth says, yeah, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Right? So, so I need to stir you up and put you in remembrance of these things. Now, I was reading from the King James, the old King James English. So let me read it. Let's read it in some more familiar vocabulary. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, special messenger of Jesus Christ to those who have received, obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, my great, it says, may grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect, well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating persons and moral conflicts be multiplied to you. Wow. In the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God, correct knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. It says, for his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who has called us by and to his own glory and excellence virtue. It says, by means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceeding, exceedingly great promises, so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, the rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness that is lust and greed, and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. Do you hear that? Okay. Then it says, for this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine, adding, it says, add your diligence to the divine promises, 
says, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. So what is virtue? It says, this is excellence, resolution, Christian energy. It says, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence. And it says, and in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, well, it says, whatever you develop, then you exercise it. As you're exercising it, then you develop another quality. Now it says, in exercising knowledge, now develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness. Steadfastness, which is patience and endurance. And it says, and in exercising now steadfastness, develop godliness, piety. And it says, and now in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. Wow. So a calling requires you to develop exercise, develop exercise. Whatever you develop, you exercise. Then you develop something else. Then you exercise. It requires you to become a better person. You see, this world, there's a reason as to why the world we have billion-dollar companies, trillion-dollar companies, and we still have all the mess and junk in this world. It's because people are achieving dreams and not callings. Because you don't necessarily need to develop and exercise all of these things to build a billion-dollar company. No. To become famous. No. You don't really need to. But once you start to hold people accountable to their callings, which is how God is going to reward people on the judgment day, when everyone has to come before the judgment seat of Christ, whether you believe in him or not, everybody has to be summoned for their hearing. Because a calling will require you to become a different person. It will require you to become the person of Christ. So then he says, And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. It says, for as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful and to the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. It says, for whoever lacks these qualities is blind spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Then he says, because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous, solicitous, solid, yeah, I guess soliciting, Solicious, yeah, become be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. It says, Be sure, be sure to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election 
says to make sure you're calling an election. It says, for if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. It says, thus, there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, here he's talking about the final reckoning. It says, once you do this, there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, so I intend always to remind you about these things, although indeed you know them and are firm in the truth that you now hold. It says, I think it right as long as I am, this, I am in this tabernacle, this tent or body to stir you up by way of remembrance. Now, that really brings us home on this whole subject of calling versus dreams. All I wanted to do today is really through scripture evidence, show you that scripture uses the word calling. It doesn't use dreams or dream because a dream or dreams what we normally refer to them as um, may not necessarily be your calling. And we've seen several scriptures. So I wanted to provide a scripture evidence about this whole subject I've been hammering on about what is your purpose. Your calling becomes the anchor for your soul. I hope you've been blessed by this. And in the next episode, we will round up, I guess, with skills. What the you know the Bible talks about skills, talents, and uh, we'll also talk about that and whatever other concluding remarks the Holy Spirit will put on my heart for us. But I really feel that out of this all, you should be inspired, you should be strengthened, you should be challenged, you should be encouraged. I cannot emphasize how your life will change drastically from the moment you figure out what your purpose is. And by that, I mean what God has called you to do, what he has ordained for you from the foundation of the world to do, to accomplish in this season, in this time, in this millennium, for this generation. And it is bigger than you. And it's going to require you to become a different person. Thanks for tuning in. Selah. This was episode 20 of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership Through the Life and Story of Joseph from the Book of Genesis. We explored the biblical context of purpose and calling. Many people today are chasing their dreams, but scripture uses the word dream or dreams in the context of a vehicle of communication that God uses to talk to people. Notwithstanding, the devil also uses dreams to talk to people. It is very possible that you could achieve your dream and not fulfill your calling. And it's on the grounds of calling fulfillment that you will be rewarded on the day of judgment. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 tells us that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Or as another translation puts it, For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been, and what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. More light was shed on callings by these scriptures. Romans chapter 11 verse 29 told us that for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 told us that for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 20 emphasized this point as well. It says, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, Paul, Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus was centered on this one thing. He said, I pray always that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul comes again and says, There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, we read that, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, we read that, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, we read that, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, we read that, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And in fact, I say that your calling is your profession. But again, it's very possible that what you're currently doing right now, the profession that you're in, is not aligned with your calling. So you might want to check that. And lastly, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. In the next episode, we'll look at the incentive for you to follow your calling or what God has called you to do. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
My heart is satisfied Oh Lord, ah, you cover me oh. Your glory is all there is to see Take it. 